What's up, Crime Turning Nation? Welcome to another episode of As the Crime Turns. I'm your host, Desmond Revelle, and I'd like to thank you for listening today. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to this on. New episodes drop every Sunday. Also, check out the As the Crime Turns website for additional details and extras about each week's story. That's www.asthecrimeturnspodcast.com. This story is dedicated to the family of a close friend of mine, the Smith family. The story is titled, His Last Lap. This is the story of Jamal Tyree Smith. Jamal was described as a handsome and very loving gentleman. He lived in Roland Township pretty much all of his life. Roland is a small town on the cusp of North Carolina and South Carolina. To paint a picture of what I mean when I say small, according to the Census Bureau, the population in 2017 was 1,014. Born in the Bronx, Jamal relocated with his mother, Karen, to Roland at quite a young age. By the time Jamal turned age four, Karen had had another child, Damien. These would be her only two children. As a child, Jamal was regarded as being very sweet and mischievous at times. Most people would say he was somewhat of a charmer. He always wanted to know how everything worked. For fun, Jamal would take items around the house, such as appliances, apart and then put them back together. I guess you could say he grew a love for mechanics at a very young age. In the neighborhoods Jamal, his younger brother Damien, and mother lived, neighbors would often stop by and simply visit to ask Jamal questions about video games, gaming consoles, appliances, and electronics in general. He seemed to be a true whiz when it came to these things. In 2003, Jamal graduated from early college high school, a program at a Robeson Community College geared to help students not only graduate from high school, but also learn real life skills and earn possible college credits. After graduating, he went on to get his first job at GameStop, a game store in the area. This was perfect for him. As an adult, Jamal grew interest for cars and a need for speed, as some would say. He was somewhat of a thrill seeker. One day, he decided he wanted to be a race car driver. His family explained one instance. Jamal purchased a 2011 SR Hemi Dodge Charger and added a value of about $30,000 to the car so that he can compete on a professional level. The car was fast and I was scared, Karen said, but Jamal loved it. People in the town of Roland knew Jamal to be a good person. He was known to help anyone. He would give anyone the shirt off his back, and he had a heart made of gold. 
Now, as I explained earlier, the town of Roland sits on a cusp of North Carolina and South Carolina. Within the township, there are a few towns that sit in a range of about 25 to 30 minutes of each other. The biggest attraction to the area, in my opinion, is I-95, the highway. In that particular region, you have Lumberton, which is in North Carolina. You have South of the Border, which is a tourist attraction on the state line of North Carolina and South Carolina that mainly consists of um, Tijuana nostalgia. It just reminds you of being at the border of Mexico. You have Dillon, which is in South Carolina, and you have Little Rock, which is in South Carolina. Now through each of the towns in South Carolina flows the Little PD River, a 117 mile tributary of the PD River. The Little PD River begins in Laurenburg, North Carolina and ends just across the state line of South Carolina, not far from Harley's Bridge Road in Little Rock, where our story begins. Now, Thursday, January 28th, 2016. That Thursday started as a regular day for the Smith family, the people of Roland Township, and associated communities. According to the weather almanac, the weather that day was cooler. It was around 40 degrees Fahrenheit throughout the day. That morning, a call came into the Dillon County Emergency Dispatch. A car seemed to be floating in the water off of Harley's Bridge Road in Little Rock. Around 2 p.m., Captain Cliff Arnett with the Dillon County Sheriff's Office and the Department of Natural Resources rescue teams were amongst the first to arrive at the scene to find a green Toyota Camry completely submerged in water. The car seemed to have been pushed in the water and no one was inside. To the relief of the captain and the divers, they decided to leave the car until the next morning as the temperature was vastly dropping and the water was becoming unsafe for searching. North in Dillon County, the search just ended for a car that was thought to be in the Little PD River off Harley's Bridge Road in the Little Rock community. The sheriff's office tells us that it got a call from someone who said that they saw the car in the water. Divers found the car, but when they went inside the car, they found nobody inside. The investigation, however, continues. After running the registration, the police tied the vehicle to Jamal. They first looked for someone to contact. They contacted his mother on her job to let her know the car had been found, no one was inside, and that they would retrieve it the next morning when temperatures were higher. Karen explained to reporters, quote, I was relieved because I said at least I know he's not in the car. He's probably out in the woods, running around, trying to find his way back out. Probably trying to find help. So let me know he's all right. Quote. Later that evening, after things settled, Karen and Damien realized that neither of them were able to get in contact 
with Jamal. Something wasn't quite right. It wasn't a day that each of the family members didn't speak with each other at least twice a day. They were a very small unit and of course very close. At the time, Damien was living two hours west in Charlotte, North Carolina. He immediately made the drive home. The family attempted to contact Jamal several more times and received no answer. They checked his social media. There was no activity. At this point, they reached back out to the Dillon County Sheriff's Office to inform them Jamal was now missing. That same night, Dillon County Sheriff, the Natural Resource Rescue Team, and SLED, the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division, arrived back at the scene to remove the vehicle completely and search the surrounding waters. Upon searching the entire vehicle, investigators were able to locate the body of a young man in the car somewhere. I presume this was in the trunk, as the car had been searched prior and allegedly no one was found. Early Friday morning, Dillon County Coroner Donnie Grimsley was able to identify the body as Jamal Tyree Smith. He was 30 years old. Jamal had been shot to death, placed in the trunk of his car, and driven to the Little PD River where he was left. This was obviously an execution. Personally speaking, I think one of the worst things that could ever happen is discovering the sudden death of a close loved one. And not just any other death, but a murder and then a murder this vicious to find out that your son or your brother was shot to death and then put in the trunk of his own car and driven to a river where he was left. I, I just couldn't imagine, you know, finding that out. And just the thought of if no one had ever called 911 and the car floated down the river, it could have been presumed that Jamal was missing the entire time. Just imagine how that feels. I imagine it took some time for the family to succumb to the reality of loss and grief. However, once that reality did set in, the family was upset with investigators and local officials. Karen and the rest of the Smith family felt the car should have been searched in its entirety the first time. If the car had have been searched earlier in the day, Jamal could possibly still be alive. Family of Jamal Smith says they're confused and upset. Last Thursday, Dillon County deputies found his car in the Little Petey River. Jamel's mother, Karen Smith, tells me investigators told her Jamel wasn't in the car and they would pull it from the river the next day. That's when she reported him missing. I was relieved because I know I said, at least he's not in the car. So I said, well, 
he out running around in the woods somewhere trying to find his way back out, trying to get help, you know, to get to me to let me know, you know, he's all right. But Jamel's aunt says something didn't seem right. It bothered her that her nephew's car was still in the water. I say, I have a feeling that he's in the trunk. And they're still talking about it was too dark. Oh, we got to, they got to wait until the next day. Jamel's mother says later that night, though, investigators got a tip that led them to search the car and found her son's body in the trunk. She and her family want to know why they didn't thoroughly search the car to begin with. I was thinking maybe if they would have checked the trunk the first time, maybe, you know, as a mother, you're thinking, you know, he could be alive. Dillon County Sheriff's Captain Cliff Arnett tells me there are a number of different reasons why they didn't initially search the whole car. He didn't give those reasons, but he says this investigation is ongoing. He tells me they're not being tight-lipped about it just to keep the family and others in the dark, but says if they release too much information, it could jeopardize the investigation and jeopardize putting someone in jail for this crime. In the meantime, Jamel's family hopes his killer is caught. The last contact Jamal had with his mother was around 10 a.m. Thursday morning. She had no idea it would be the last time they spoke. So let's recap and discuss what we know so far. We know that really Jamal was like a hometown vet. We know that he lived in Roland pretty much his entire life and was loved by many. He had no known enemies or beefs at the time of his death. We know that on the morning of Thursday the 28th, Jamal talked to his mom around 10. We know between 10 and maybe 2 p.m., a call came into the Dillon County Emergency Dispatch about a car sinking into the Little Petey River. Investigators searched the car, the main body, that is, and found nothing. They contacted Jamal's mother on her job to let her know no one was in the car and that it would be pulled from the water the next day. That night, the family realized no one had heard from Jamal since the morning. They saw no activity on his social media, so they contacted the authorities. With that clue and an additional tip that came from an anonymous source, I'm guessing, that someone was in the trunk of the car. On the same night, Dillon County Sheriff, SLED, and Natural Resource Rescue Team arrived back at the scene. They did a more thorough search and removed the car completely from the water. I wondered for quite a while who gave that tip. A part of me was torn to think it could have been someone passing by or could have been someone involved in the act and played their part of the deal perfectly. Even if someone from the street saw the car going into the water, how would someone know to check the trunk? I really think the person who called was involved somehow, and that was their duty, to call 911 after it was all over. Dillon County Sheriff's Office investigated the case of Jamal Smith for about a week before suspects were questioned. On Friday, 
February 5th, 2016, literally one day prior to Jamal's funeral. Police received a tip which led them to a home on Pine Street in the Dillon area, and a search warrant was issued for evidence possibly related to the crime. According to several sources, this was the last alleged place Jamal was seen. The next day, the same day as Jamal's homegoing service, Christopher Green, then age 33, and Irvin Stanley, then age 52, are arrested and charged with murder, possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime, and criminal conspiracy. The crazy thing about this is that after speaking with my friend, Christopher was Jamal's friend. This was done by someone he called a friend. Let me take a moment and explain these charges. Murder is you know, self-explanatory. Possession of a weapon during the commission of a violent crime. This means that a weapon was found during the search, but it may have not been used to commit the murder or any crime at all. It was simply in possession. And finally, criminal conspiracy, which we all know is something similar to an alliance. It's when two or more people plan to commit a crime at a future date. After reading this, I made the assumption that Chris and Irvin were arrested for the planning, execution, and murder of Jamal. Dillon County Sheriff Investigator Reggie Thompson explained to WPDE News that solid evidence was collected on the two suspects prior to arrest. According to Reggie, they were able to locate cell phone records for both Christopher and Irvin. Using the records to track the suspect's location, investigators were able to determine Christopher was actually at Harley's Bridge Road prior to the 911 call. This is tapping my theory that the 911 call came from someone involved. Investigator Thompson also explained they found bloody clothing after one of the suspects led them to the items. They also collected somewhat of a confession from both Green and Stanley. Each suspect stated Jamal was shot multiple times. After hearing each of the suspects say that Jamal was shot multiple times, I felt it was safe to say, you know, Jamal was probably deceased before arriving at the river, as Sheriff Arnett had explained, and that the time the car was checked would not have changed this unfortunate outcome. Monday, February 8th, 2016, Dillon County holds a news conference. During the conference, several questions from the family, public, and news anchors roll in. The main question, why wasn't the car checked completely on the initial arrival of the crime scene? At the time, Dillon County Sheriff Major Hulon explained, and I quote, 
We didn't know if this vehicle went into the water as a result of an accident or if this vehicle was intentionally put in the water as a result of someone intentionally trying to get rid of it. Hide it. Quote. In my opinion, that is exactly what was going on. Someone was intentionally putting the car in the water to try to get rid of it and hide it. But luckily, it was found. Quote, We didn't know what still needed to be determined. Initially, these divers were able to see that there was no one inside the vehicle. So we moved on from there. Quote, Sheriff Arnett also added, quote, we had terrain and circumstances that night. We were trying to make contact with the registered owner of that vehicle to try to help determine how far we would need to go. Quote, it was also stated by officials that Jamal was in fact deceased upon arriving at the river and that the Camry was not driven into the river simply left at the shore of the water and the current carried it into the river. About a month later, March 16th to be exact, Urban Stanley appears in court and attempts to request bond. Urban Stanley looked away as the family of Jamel Smith walked into the courtroom Wednesday morning. He wanted to be let out of jail on bond after being charged with Smith's murder. Stanley Irvin, 2016. Stanley and Christopher Green are accused of shooting Smith to death back on January 28th. Smith's mother told the judge her life has been turned upside down. This is the hardest thing I ever had to deal with in my life. It's very much Deputies say Stanley and Green put Smith's body in the trunk of a car. Officers later found that car partially submerged in the Little Petey River. The lead investigator says they have a solid case against Stanley. And we also got two confessions from Chris Green and Irvin Stanley. Now we got we found some blood in the house with uh, one of the confessions that stated with uh, the incident that happened. We got some bloody clothes where one of the, um, the suspects took to the clothes. Smith's family had to wipe away tears as they listened to the evidence in the case. He was helpless victim, given no mercy, denied everything his wife was vicious taken. Prosecutors say Stanley is a danger to the community and needs to stay in jail. And if there is ever a reason to run and flee, it would be that you're facing a murder charge. The judge denied bond for Stanley. Smith's family believes he made the right decision. When asked how he was coping, Damien, Jamal's brother, stated, and I quote, Words can't explain how I felt, because no one deserves to die that way. No one deserves to be murdered, stuffed in the trunk of a car, and left, especially by someone that he considered a friend. The bond was denied by Circuit Court Judge Roger E. Henderson, Irvin had no response to the words of the Smith family or his charges. His attorney pled that he had ties to the area and worked at a soup kitchen. I didn't find the relevance in that. He still deserved to be in jail. April 26th, 
2016. Christopher Green appears for a bond hearing. His attorney, Rosalind Sellers, explained, News of Christopher Green's charges came as a shock to the community. Really? She explained he was a hardworking mechanic who took care of his family. He also was Jamal's friend. So what did that make him? She went on to ask for a reasonable bond, which was denied. However, Circuit Court Judge Paul Birch explained, if Green's case was not tried within six months, he'll be granted bond of $100,000 and placed on a curfew. This would have been around November of 2016. Today, Christopher Green is out on bond. At the time, Fourth Circuit solicitor Ship Daniel said he was still waiting on some evidence testing from the State Law Enforcement Division, but he'd do his best to get the case on the trial schedule as soon as possible. Almost four years later, there has yet to be a trial. On May 7, 2019, I spoke with Ship Daniel personally. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to record the conversation as it was a rather short call. Basically, he wasn't able to provide any information related to the case as it was still pending. My main goal was to ask if the evidence had returned from the State Law Enforcement Division. I was unsuccessful. I was able to ask if the case will be on the docket in 2019. He could not say yes at the time, and I took that as a no. According to locals of Roland, Irvin Stanley is still behind bars. He has a bail, but he's yet to post. After researching everything I could on this victim, I was left with the question, what was the motive? Why did this happen? As I stated earlier, according to the family, Christopher Green and Jamal were friends. It's sad to think that in a case where you have a victim's family left without closure and you have all the evidence and even confessions and you can't get them a conviction you can't get them that closure that they need to move forward it truly remains a mystery I took the liberty to scroll over Jamal's social media his Facebook page had been memorialized and was filled with mounds of love even years later posts as recent as one month ago Statements like, I love you and I miss you. Happy birthdays from over the years. Happy Father's Day. Happy holidays. Seems like people who knew Jamal from all walks come to his page to just let him know how much they miss him. In 2018, his daughter, Rosaria, left a video for his birthday, telling her father how much she missed, loved, and adored him. I was even able to find a video of Jamal 
erasing that 2011 charger, and I've placed that on the As the Climb Turns site for viewing. Jamal was a brother, a father, a friend. I have found out recently in the last year before his death, he had recently started a trucking business. He was a business owner. He was taken from his mother and his younger brother and three children. Azaria, who's almost 14, Kamarian, who's 13, and Landon, who's three. Today, his family actively fights to seek justice. Justice for Jamal. They hope to see both suspects behind bars. And I do as well. I'd like to give a special thank you to Anitra Clark Jones at the Dillon County Emergency and Ship Daniel at the Dillon County Solicitor's Office. That's it for today's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed today's show. And as I said at the beginning, Crime Turner Nation, I'm relying solely on you to let me know how I'm doing. So, if you like today's show, please go on to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're listening to this on and give me a five-star rating. If you have the time, leave a review and let me know what you think. Also, keep up with us on social media. You can tweet us at As The Crime Turns and even follow us on Instagram at As The Crime Turns Podcast. Until next time, I'm Desmond DeVille, and this is As the Prime Times.